Welcome to Bad Law, Worst Facts. My name is Michael Takla. And Jeff McCarthy. Today we have on, on the show Cornelia Bethel Harvey. She works with the Busby Law Firm, and she has really made a splash in a particular type of law that, one, to most attorneys, is very tough not only to get into, but to honestly understand. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. She really focuses uh, her day-to-day on uh, sexual harassment, sexual abuse, and uh, sexual assault cases. Uh, Cornelia, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. So I really appreciate it. And also, I'd like to say, you know, you gave me an excuse to get dressed up. So appreciate it. <laughs> you guys are doing God's work. You're making us, uh, the last six months, I've been in pajamas. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, so a little background. Uh, me and Cornelia actually went to law school together. Um, and we were in the first 1L class together and kind of went on from there. And, you know, um, kind of a testament that if you do good work, you'll, you'll kind of push your career a lot further than most people think. Cause you know, I meet some people that are, I want to say part of our school, just say, you know, in our, around our year that haven't even taken a deposition yet, you know, and here you are, you're not only doing that, but you're, you're kind of the, the forefront of, uh, types of cases that are honestly not only really tough to handle, but they're really tough to get into because there's so many pitfalls, right? Um, so tell us a little bit about how you got there. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, in section B for life, we were the best section in, in law school. Um, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, it's interesting. I, you know, I kind of, when I was in law school, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't even know how to even get started in sexual assault litigation. I it was always my passion, right? I mean, I was always, um, you know, um, passionate about representing sexual assault survivors, but you know, uh, a lot of firms, like you said, it's kind of a very, still a very new kind of area of law, um, I would say, and there's not much, you know, kind of uh, research or CLEs, that kind of thing. I think it's still kind of build up. So I didn't even know how I was going to get into it. Not, not a lot of firms did that kind of um, practice. So um, I kind of, I started out in um, PI very briefly. And then when I, when I graduated law school after I took the bar, and then I went to um, the Harris County Attorney's Office. Um, and there I was in the nuisance abatement division. That's what it's called. And uh, basically, long story short, I worked with kind of three kick-ass female lawyers. And we basically um, used the power of the uh, attorney's office to go after these massage parlors and um, uh, strip clubs and kind of to file temporary injunctions, temporary restraining orders to shut these places down or you know, at least hold them accountable for facilitating human trafficking. Um, so I kind of got uh, started in that kind of area. And that reinforced my passion for this area of law even more so. Um, and then um, I went from there to the, you know, the Busby Law Firm where I am now. And, you know, I have to say, um, it's really a testament to Tony. I mean, he's been behind me 100% um, in this kind of um, pursuit, I want to say, in doing sexual assault litigation. So I have to hand it to him. He really created that space for me at the firm. So um, that's kind of the trajectory. Yeah. So what what case was it, you know, if there was one that was just like, oh, this is exactly what I want to do when you're at the prosecutor's office? Um, so it wasn't the prosecutor's office. It was the Harris County Attorney's oh, Office. Sorry, the yeah. civil, yeah, civil side. Um, um, so I think there was one case where escaping me now, but it was a case against a strip club, a pretty high profile 
strip club, um, you know, in Houston. Yeah, let me, let and... me check. Uh, let me check James Harden's Instagram. Maybe I'll find it from there. <laughs> oh, God. Wait, is he still? He he left, right? Is that too soon? He left, right? He left the team. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, he's yeah, gone. He's okay. gone. It, is that he's too gone. soon? Sorry, guys. No, no. no he, he, he probably defriended all those places. Sorry, go on. I didn't mean to jump in. They probably defriended but, him. Yeah. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't see him there, so I, he must have just left when I got there. But we uh, we would go, and uh, basically that was one of the cases. It was one of these strip clubs, and they were it w- they had so many calls of HPD to that to that strip club of sexual assault, human trafficking, you name it, like prostitution. Um, it ran the gamut at this strip club, and basically they were just, I mean, they just were not being, they were just kept doing it. They weren't being held accountable, and basically we went after them and said, you know, we're going to shut you down, and we filed a temporary injunction. Um, and that was kind of when I really, really started getting really kind of passionate, like, man, all these places need to be held accountable. All these high profile institutions that are harboring basically human traffickers, I want to say, and just, you know, facilitating it. And I, 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 you know, it's not right. And I'm not scared. And I don't care if it ruffles some feathers. And it really kind of made me, you know, more passionate. So I think that's. Yeah. And that was that was it for you. huh? You're like, OK, this is exactly what I want to do. Feel good yeah. helping people. Right. And uh, that's that's awesome. That's that's really great. That's correct. I think that's right. So tell me about you know what are you know what what is the the starting point for let's just say a sexual harassment suit? I, I have no clue, right? So if if someone told me this is what happened, I would just be like, okay, I'll file a petition and uh, we'll see where we go from there. But I'm sure there's a lot more work up in the background that you know no one really knows about. Yeah. So do you want to kind of, where do you want me to start? Kind of how we, we, we get the cases or how we file them or is that, what do you, how do you want me to start? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, kind of put me in that room with that client, right? So what, sure. you know, what are you looking for in terms of from the legal perspective? Sure. Um, so yeah, we, um, you know, we handle right a lot of, you know, sexual harassment and sexual assault and sexual abuse cases. And, um, sometimes, right. They go hand in hand, um, there's sexual assault and, and sexual harassment. Um, and, and sometimes sexual assault is under sexual harassment, you know, so mm-hmm. it's, um, but yeah, so, you know, we, we sit the client down and, you know, it's, it's already very, um, traumatic and I, and I kind of touched on this, um, in an article I wrote in the Texas bar blog, it's called. Uh, trauma, trauma-informed legal advocacy. And so it's very important to be trauma-informed basically to know that this client is, is just, is very traumatized and you have to kind of be very, very gentle and understanding and, and try not to be, you know, judgmental in any form or fashion. So right. you just kind of, you know, you ask them basically, you know, what, what can you not forget? I mean, you know, the, those kind of questions and you kind of just, you know, let them tell their story. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's like, it's an injury like any other, right. It's, 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 um, you know, it's obviously, uh, an injury that was caused by, you know, an individual or a company, um, you know, that kind of, um, you know, ratified this behavior or let it go on or should have known better that this, you know, individual would have these tendencies. So you kind of just ask them the basic questions that you do, you know, with any other case, but you do have to keep in mind that, um, a lot of their story is going to be kind of, kind of, it's going to be all over the place a little bit because, you know, there sometimes they block out memories um, with right. when you're traumatized, this trauma. So, yeah. And something, you know, I don't think we talk enough about, and I took a, um, in law school, I, I had the opportunity to take a, a course, which was more of a uh, workshop. And we work with AVDA, the Aid to Victims of Domestic Abuse. And 
I didn't realize how much trauma just we as attorneys and we don't talk about it. You know, the amount of awful things we hear about, see about and read about. And I feel like we get a little numb to that and not re-victimizing somebody in that room to they, they, they tell this story so many times that they relive this. And and in your experience, were you given any training or I mean, because you said you wrote an article like was this just through your own experience? You said, look, I got to figure out a way to do this for my own mental health and also to my clients and the victims. Sure. Yeah. And I actually did. I mean, I did my own training. I kind of watched. um, There's a training on the actual it's called called the Legal Network for Gender Equity. um, And they actually have like like webinars and training you can go through to become you know, trauma informed and know how to approach these cases and handle these clients. And then, you know, I've also through my um, experience at the Harris County Attorney's Office, just handling the, um, those cases and with those, with those survivors and um, other nonprofits that we would partner with, they had their training as well. So I would, I went through some training with nonprofits, United Against Human Trafficking um, has, you know, some, some, some training. I, so I did, it was my, on my own for sure it kind of helped me get ready to this, you know, for this point, it's always hard. Even if you have this training, it's always still hard. So you're constantly well, learning. Well, definitely your, your tenacity comes through and the training that, and we talked off off air a little bit about this, that you are used to the fight, right? And, and we'll, we'll, we'll jump into it, but you know, you are an expert fencer or fencing, I don't know what the term is, you'll have to correct me, but uh, not only will. is, yeah, we're the <laughs> litigators, but uh, don't get into a duel with this woman with, with, with some sort, like it'll be, a, it'll be a problem. I'm advocating to bring back trial by combat, right? So, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's why is that be, not a thing? I mean, oh, honestly, yeah. It's gonna be the title of this podcast. Trauma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we were talking about it and you're right. I didn't, you know, you don't think about it, but I, where my tenacity comes from, my passion, my drive, my motivation. Yeah. All of that was instilled in me. I believe from a very young age when I started fencing, I mean, right. I mean, it's a competitive by nature and what we do in this profession, especially as litigators, it's very adversarial. And if you think about it, there's not many professions that are adversarial. It's kind of lawyers are one big one that I can think of. And then there's athlete, athletics where you're kind of, you know, um, kind of trying to win or, or compete, you know, for your side. Um, so, yeah, I really attribute a lot of my um, drive and um, aggressive nature in a good way and to, for, to advocate for my clients from my fencing background where, you know, it was just you on that strip. It's you and you live and die by the sword and it's all you, you know, obviously you have coaches and, um you have teammates but you're not you know it's not like soccer or something you have to it's you and just you but yeah thank you for bringing that up I I loved I still do fence so I I really love it (laughs) yeah no I I I, I'm this is a very true story I didn't know any of this that uh this is my this is my show prep Mike I apologize I knew nothing about this till the bio I read two seconds before firing up the zoom meeting but uh ironically about a week ago it was probably 2 a.m and i was uh, and i went down a real rabbit hole of olympic fencing highlights and if to 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 our six listeners uh which is my mom <laughs> there's uh, only me, six i'm out of here what the heck yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the advertising guys yeah. Yeah. <laughs> y- y'all get on there and and youtube some of this stuff it, it'll blow your mind and it's it's super fun to watch and uh I don't know. It's it's incredibly fascinating the the amount of energy, focus, and 
you know, I would say if I was looking, you know, for an attorney, someone to hire, uh, and I saw that in your background, that would close the deal. I'm like, look, if this person can do this, they can do anything. You know, it's and and I think more young attorneys, because this is this is talking to young attorneys. They need to find their own fencing. You know, whatever that version of it. Everybody has something that fires them up, that drives them. It doesn't matter what it is. But it, it's so cool that you you know you found yours and, and you really tapped into that. I think more people need to do that. It would, it would create more successful lawyers for sure. Thank you very much. I I totally agree with you. I think find that find that whatever makes you you know you know, get up in the morning and want to really, you know, fight for something. I think that's important to have, you know, so, but yeah, it was a great big part of my life and still is. And, you know, I would travel over the world to compete in tournaments. So I, um, I, it's a big, it's a, it's great. I love talking about it. Thank you. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. When I get freaked out about sexual harassment suits and then, mm-hmm. and, um, sexual assault cases, course and scope, right. You know, the, the reality is, you know, we all want to do good work and I, and I get that, but we also want to pay the bills. Right. And, and, you know, I, you and I have spoke about it before because I get freaked out about, well, if I follow this lawsuit and I put X amount towards it and they start arguing either course and scope, or it's not within, you know, the insurance policy it's assuming not self-insured or whatever it may be, you know, am I out of luck? Right. Like what, what am I supposed to do? Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, what, what are we, as an attorney, what are you looking for? In, in cases like that. Sure. And yeah, and it, it really, um, it depends, right? I know that's a yeah. lawyer, lawyer answer, <laughs> it, but it is, <laughs> I know. And I, I, but as I've been practicing, it really does depend on the facts of the case. So for instance, you know, um, right. Force and scope usually falls outside of, um, uh, excuse me, sexual assault usually falls out, falls outside force and scope, right. Cause it's an intentional yeah. act, but there's exceptions to that. Right. You know, so, um, we always plead, I know that I always put, you know, vicarious liability in my sexual assault, pleadings because, you know, for instance, like, you know, Uber or Lyft cases like that, um, you know, they always argue that it's not in the course and scope of their employment, but the, you were aware of the certain get, say for instance, the driver, you know, had prior, you know, history or something of sexual assault and you kind of knew that and you ratified it, you know, that's one way to kind of say, well, it kind of became in a way, you know, part of his work in, in a way you kind of, you know, you kind of knew about it and ratified it. That's one way, but Um, There's also um, ways in terms of if the work is inherently combative or aggressive, like say for a police officer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There was a case out of Indiana Supreme Court. It was called Cox versus Evansville Police Department. So the Supreme Court found that the police officers who sexually assaulted this person, um, uh, they were in the course and scope of their employment because the nature of police work sometimes is that you have to use force. And so that kind of sexual assault kind of flowed from the nature of the the work um so it's, okay. it's kind of yeah. yeah and if that makes sense so it's it's very it's very depending on right kind of what the the work the is surface. sometimes right um so um yeah that was an interesting um case but even if you can't get course and scope mm-hmm. um you usually can you know uh allege that it was negligent hiring uh negligent retention negligent supervision negligent exercise of control um, so, um, even if, you know, you can't get course and scope of employment, there's all those causes of action, um, you know, uh, that are, are available to you. Um, so, you know, these companies can still be on the hook, um, um, in that regard. So, right. Well, they should be on the hook, right? Uh, um, yeah. so it's really interesting that a, a sexual assault and, and, and sexual harassment cases, by the time you're looking in front of a jury, you know, a lot of the 
physical pain um, and and physical proof has most of the time has disappeared, right? But that's that's not that's not. I wouldn't even say that's where it even starts, right? That's just a small subpart, and the the most important is obviously the mental that goes into it. And I, I always tell people, you know, it's kind of like you know uh, TBI, traumatic brain injury, back you know before we had all this imaging, right? You can't see it, but you absolutely know that this person is suffering from it. And, you know, that's that's tough. I mean, any any attorney tell you traumatic brain injuries are are good cases. Right. But they're when you go in front of the jury, it's very, very hard to portray unless it's pretty severe. So, you know, how do you how do you deal with that? You know, what are you thinking when you're thinking about, okay, how am I going to present my client's story and what, you know, you know, she or he is dealing with, uh, you know, to the jury? Right. Sure. So, um, and, and that's a good question. Right. And that's why these cases are oftentimes so hard um, because you can't, sometimes you can't see the injury. Like, you know, um, you don't have, there's no broken bone. There's no, um, you know, cast on the leg, you know, well, sometimes I guess, and sometimes the sexual assault can be very violent and you do have right. physical injuries. Um, but aside from those, right. A lot of them are mental, which are just as important and just as serious. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the times um, the client's testimony is very, very powerful and just their, you know, the deposition testimony that maybe they give, um, if you have a deposition of the client, um, you know, is very, very important and they can really kind of lay out their, their damages that way. But also a lot of counseling um, that sometimes these clients go have like therapy or, you know, they go see a psychologist and, um, you know, that, that, or sometimes that psychologist can turn into an expert witness and that, um, that expert can really kind of show you from their training, right? Their education, their background um, as an expert witness to kind of show that this person is, is really, really suffering from this traumatic incident, whether it's depression, anxiety, panic attacks, nightmares, night terrors, um, you know, PTSD, um, you name it. And I think we're really becoming more and more aware and more understanding as a, as a culture and society. I hope at least, um, yeah. of these types of injuries, right? And I think the Me Too movement really, really, really helped um, kind of shepherd this into the limelight and kind of say, you know, wow, um, these are just as serious, right, as a physical injury would be. Um, right. So when they treat, should be treated as such. And juries kind of, I see juries, especially in Harris County, really are um, sympathetic to those types of injuries. I've, I've at least seen, I've been heartened, heartened by the, you know, the continuing verdicts that I see. Yeah. And I got to ask, are you, are you always thinking, I really hope my, this case lands in Harris County. Uh, are you, are you thinking Texas is doing better about, you know, coming around to, you know, just being more, uh, more aware. I definitely think so. I think Harris County, um, you know, is, a, is, is really, um, you know, a great county and definitely takes sexual assault seriously. Um, but I've, I've really seen other counties as well just kind of wake up to the fact that this is, you know, a real, real problem. And it's not, it should be treated as such, right? You know, and, um, you know, there's still that, um, there's still that stigma, right, that, that comes with it with, you know, with sexual assault is like, why didn't they speak up sooner? You know, um, that that kind of thing. You still sometimes see that come from um, the the other side. But, you know, it's 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 really I've really been heartened by the, um, you know, by the awareness that that we've been having, which is great. So for these survivors. Yeah. So tell me about, you know, are are you able to talk about any cases that you're dealing with now? 
Sure. Um, yeah, there's one that's actually um, we have in federal court in, in, in McAllen, um, actually. So um, and this was a, a really um, kind of very horrific case of um, a minor. She was a minor at the time and uh, she was sexually assaulted by a teacher repeatedly on campus at her high school. Um, and um, we've gone after the school district, you know, um, for Title IX violations and 1983 claims, um, you know, to hold them accountable for the sexual assault um, of this girl. Um, so that's one case that I have that I'm, I'm very, very um, passionate about. That's good. They got the right attorney for it. I'll tell you that much. Um, what, hey, for our viewers, can you kind of explain Title IX? Uh... Sure. Um, yeah, so so Title IX um, is, um, uh, you can file Title IX cases against, um, you know, school districts, um, you know, universities um, for depriving you of the benefit of education, um, right? And so um, if you've been, you know, uh, sexual assault falls under that and you were deprived of benefits of education because whether it was a, a hostile environment or whatever was created that deprived you of getting those benefits of education, um, and so you, uh, it's a federal claim. Um, so you usually file in federal court and it's a way to hold these educational institutions accountable. Um, and the, the elements that you have to prove um, are, <laughs> yeah, I know I've become very, very, you know, as I've done these cases, you know, I've become more and more aware. Why, um, why did you, why did you just put me in, in Duncan's torts class just immediately? Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for that PTSD. Right oh there. no, gosh! Oh, shout out to the Professor Duncan. I love her. I know, right? I just really brought you back to law school. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, but yeah, and every circuit, right? Every circuit is kind of has a little bit of a different kind of uh, interpretation of those elements, right? So we're in the Fifth Circuit right now, so it's you know you have to show that the school had actual knowledge of this harassment or abuse, and they were mm -hmm. deliberately indifferent to that harassment. Um, and the burden, unfortunately, I find is so high. Um, it's very it, high. Yeah, it's very high. And I and I, you know, I, I hope that, you know, I hope that changes because I, I kind of I'm very disheartened by the, the high burden that you have to mm -hmm. have to have for these cases. But yeah, is it different in other circuits? Like what like was like, do you I mean, just randomly, do you know, like the Ninth Circuit or something? Sure. Yeah. And so we have another case in the Ninth Circuit actually um, against a university for um, um uh, sexual uh, for Title IX violations, excuse me, um, for a professor who sexually harassed and um, assaulted um, some students. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so um, they have different interpretations, right, of those elements. So like, for instance, for Fifth Circuit, um, I'll just say the actual knowledge prong, there are cases that say, well, um, actual knowledge doesn't mean necessarily that the school had to have actual knowledge of your plaintiff's specific incident, right? There could have been past incidents with the same teacher with different students and if the school knew about it you know that that kind of shows that they were on notice right of these right. kinds of incidents so that's one kind of interpretation that the circuit has, has taken ninth circuit um has said that kind of the same thing and they're more lenient i would say the ninth circuit is much more lenient um well, and much yeah. More, yeah yeah <laughs> um so uh yeah, exactly. So yeah, they're kind of the same way and, and even more kind of so more more broad saying, well, right. Title IX is a broad, you should give it a broad brush, right? You should sweep it with a broad brush. Um, mm -hmm. And um, so that was, um, you know, they each have their own different interpretation. No, definitely. Okay. So, I mean, is it safe to say that this is continuously changing almost, you know, yearly or even monthly, it seems like kind of at this point? 
I, I think so, right? It always evolves, right? Law always evolves, um, you know, um, continuously, which is, is nice to see. And I hope statute of limitations continues to be extended for these mm-hmm. sexual assault survivors. And that's one thing um, that I'll say I hope continues to evolve and continues to change because, you know, with sexual assault, these survivors, many times they don't even realize that they've been sexually assaulted, right? Until much mm-hmm. later, right? It's kind of you, one of the things of trauma is you kind of block it um, and it doesn't manifest sometimes until you've had therapy or whatever until many years later. So I really hope that statute of limitations continues to evolve and they extend it. Um, so it's not so short of a time. I know Texas just recently uh, changed the law, um, I believe um, from 15 years to 30 years um, and one for one of the statute of limitations mm-hmm. for child, for children. Okay. Um, I, 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 I believe that's what, what, what recently changed. So that's good. Yeah. Um, and, that's a great, yeah. that's a great move. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. I'm, I'm learning yeah. every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It happened. I believe I want to say like 2000, don't quote me, but it was, I mean, it was really recent. Right. Really, yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Uh, you know, so, you know, you're, you're kind of day to day. I mean, what, what are you, it, I mean, are, are you going after uh, just universities? Are you going after what, I mean, what's your, what's your common defendant or is there a common defendant? Is this happening everywhere? And you're just, it, 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 it kind of runs the gamut. Um, you know, I was on women of law, um, Instagram the other day doing makeover and I kind of laid out a little bit of what we go after. I mean, and right. It depends on the facts and, and we can't take every case, unfortunately, sometimes cause they're barred by the statute right. limitations, which is always unfortunate. Um, but we go after high profile individuals, um, very, very high profile individuals, um, and, uh, companies, uh, we go after schools, uh, universities, doctors, you name it, hospitals, um, ride sharing, um, carriers. Um, so it, we, you know, well, that's really interesting. I, I, I am noticing, and I don't know if it's the media. I don't know if, uh, it's just becoming more uh, apparent, but it just seems like ride sharing apps that has been the kind of, uh, it's, occurring more and more and there's not very much being done right i mean they now say okay uh we're just going to tell you the the uh texas you know uh license plate and you should just match that up and and then you should be good our drivers are safe and then you hear about these insane terrible cases where you're just you know i I get scared about any any of my friends going on an uber or, or lyft now you know, is it, I mean, what is that? I mean, what's, do they just not have a policy or what's going on? Yeah. And it's right. It's, it's an epidemic. I would say, um, you know, I see you're exactly right. It's a case. You see all these cases after cases after case against Lyft and Uber. And, um, it is a real problem. I mean, even the, um, the Uber, you know, general counsel came out, I believe at one point and gave a statement and said, you know, we, something along the lines of, you know, we know we have a problem and, um, we're continuing to improve and, um, you know, they, uh, New York Times has done, you know, extensive uh, articles and, and deep dives into the, the, um, these, these ride sharing apps. And they said it kind of just really starts from the culture um, within, basically, sometimes it actually just starts right there. If you really want to get to it is the, the culture and the of um, Uber, just the work environment is very, right. um, you know, uh, fosters this kind of, um, you know, I don't know what it is, but mentality. It was interesting that that's, that's what the New York times, I believe right. was one of their articles, which was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said it kind of started from the top down from the CEO, um, of Uber who left, I believe, um, because there was a lot of such harassment, um, allegations, I believe that he failed to, you know, remedy, but anyway, right. so starting that from there, just internally, 
And then they kind of said that, yeah, they just don't, they are so slow to kind of react to this kind of epidemic. They're now starting to put in safety features and implement safe, new safety features on the app, but um, it's still um, just not enough. And they fail to, you know, really screen these drivers, I think, is that they fail to really look into their background. They just do kind of this kind of um, really, um, what I want to say, kind of brief check. They, they, they farm it out to a third party. Mm -hmm. a vendor who does these background checks on these, you know, individuals. And, and, and sometimes it's just, it's, it's not enough uh, to really screen these guys and, and they just, um, they really need to be more. Yeah. Here's what I think really happened. They got in a room, they were like, okay, we're going to do this uh, Uber service. Great. They start making a lot of money. And then they were like, oh, wait, this, this, this is what may happen. They say, you know what? They're independent contractors. They can deal with it. We'll be fine. We'll just get the best defense counsel to just throw it out. And then we had, you know, attorneys like you and, and another great attorney say, that's not how this works. Right. And kind of push the, the subject, right. you know, exactly. So. Right. They, you know, they always want to, sh- you know, they kind of want to shirk responsibility off themselves and just say, well, mm-hmm. you know, throw their hands up and be like, Oh, you know, he's an independent contractor you know, it's not our fault. And it's like, but yeah, you had, you did have control over this driver. You assigned that ride to the, uh, to the driver, right. It was completely under your control to assign that ride to the driver. So, and uh, there's case law on that. Even if they are an independent contractor, they'll have a due, you know, you still have liability. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's really unfortunate because a lot of these, you know, women and men are being sexually assaulted, uh, every day like in in these ride sharing apps it's, it's yeah. really terrible no i mean it uh, i i honestly mean it, it kind of terrifies me um uh, to the point where i'll if any of my friends you know uh if they give me a call and they're too out of it i give them, i give them a ride because i'm like i don't know what's going to end up happening and yeah. um so anyways uh it's it's really interesting you're the area of law you're going into it to me is a little terrifying because of I, I hope that you have some sort of way to decompress besides fencing and soul cycle or whatever you're doing now uh but uh it's i'm sure it's a, a lot to take on but it's it's good that you're that you're doing it and then that you're pushing it because i can definitely tell i mean you're doing great results i know you just got you just got an opinion in alaska didn't you Yes, yes, I uh, did. Yeah, that was very, very, that was so great um, because that was a hard one and it's still a fight. We still have a fight ahead, but that was a very crucial um, to the case because they were trying to, um, their argument was that um, they were barred by the statute of limitations, right? But we argue that, well, there's case law that says um, that the, the, you know, the, uh, the plaintiffs were not aware that the university's own misconduct um, contributed to um, the, their injuries, right. The university's own like, uh, failings or, or they didn't, they weren't aware of that until much later until a report came out, an investigative report came out saying, you know, outlining everything, you know, that, that, um, was, you know, went wrong. So it was a big win for us. Yeah. It was. Hey, if you could give one piece of advice. Be okay. Knowing that you're not going to know everything. Like, I think that's a huge I think that's huge for, at least for me, like, it's okay to not know everything. Okay. You're not going to know everything. And and that's okay. Ask questions, ask more questions instead of, you know, I, I think for me going back, I think I was so worried about, you know, not knowing everything that I was just like, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to say that, you know, I didn't want to say, you know, I don't know. And, 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 but I think that's such a big, um, something that we really need to do as younger attorneys and it's okay to not know and it's okay to please ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. And we're still learning. I mean, 
you know, uh, Tony tells me all the time, I still ask questions, you know, like, I, I mean, so ask questions. That's actually one of the best things about this firm too, is that, you know, he really encourages you asking questions. Um, yeah. So um, if you don't know something, but yeah, I think going back and then also just slowing down, like I think slow down, um, you know, and worried about being so fast and, and doing it, the, you know, doing it, doing everything fast and doing everything, you know, ex- expediency over accuracy. So I think just slow down and, and, and that's another thing I would say, but yeah, I, I think, and I, I'm sure I'll have more things I think about after this podcast. I could have been more eloquent, but yeah, <laughs> that always happens. I'm like, you know, Oh, you know, but anyway, I think, yeah, being okay, not knowing something is okay. You know, no, it's and absolutely okay. comes with time with time i mean you know you, you it takes years you know so just be okay like knowing it's going to take time i want to thank you guys really for doing this podcast and letting us come and speak because it really raises i mean it brings awareness especially for you you know to this type of area of law sexual assault litigation i mean it really i really any kind of platform i can have to kind of bring awareness to it and, and make people better understand it um you know so i really do appreciate you guys bringing me on inviting me so and this is a great podcast so i appreciate it absolutely we'll, we'll make sure and put all your contact the link anywhere people need to find you uh you know sure. as part of this and we'll push it out and um awesome right. well thank you so much for coming on